Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Okay, so today I got three points, um, three things I want to talk about. So if you're following along, there'll be one, two, and three. Um, And I I want to use these points uh, kind of as a way to to show you a, a biblical worldview. I want you to see uh, the world differently today. So it's really, it's not an invitation just to act, although there will be practical things at the end, but it's an invitation to see the world differently um, and, and really to see it through the biblical lens. And uh, I also want to um, just encourage you today uh, to look at the fashion industry in a way that maybe you haven't. And just a quick disclaimer, not all brands and all those companies in the fashion industry today are harmful. So that's my disclaimer, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Are you with me? All right, let's pray um, before we jump in. So Jesus, we pray now that your spirit would enliven us to the word, that you would open our hearts, you'd open our bodies, but you would open our minds to see the world in a new way. 
May we be gracious to one another as we begin to change and transform and become more like your son in this world. Um, And Lord, as we uh, begin to identify the issues we have in our own lives, may we um, be gracious to ourselves. So Holy Spirit, wake us up in your name. Amen. Point number one, when you've witnessed and experienced your own liberation, you can't help but extend that liberation to others. This is so important. In other words, freedom is contagious. When you've witnessed your own freedom and liberation, you can't help but extend that freedom to other people. It's like when you're first saved, when you experience salvation, when you've first experienced this new relationship with Jesus and you realize that the way you've been living, you don't have to live that way anymore. What do you do? You just start telling everyone about it. At least that's what some of us do. That's what I did. I would go around streets trying to convince people of this good news that I learned and because my life began to change and I wanted everyone to know about Jesus. And some of us have experienced that. Some of us have gone through Alpha recently And we've had such a transformative experience through the Alpha ministry that we are dragging all of our friends to Alpha. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are guilty of this, which is such a good thing to be guilty of. So good work on evangelism. Um, But it's it's more than just that. We see this all over the world. Um, Financial Peace University. Anyone gone through Financial Peace? Can we just raise your hand? Dave Ramsey fans? That was very weak Dave Ramsey fans. What tends to happen if you've lived in any type of debt, which... Statistically, the majority of us are carrying lots of credit card debts. In fact, the average American has four credit cards. And so we have tons of debt, student loans, car payments, um, house payments, uh, medical debt, all sorts of clothing debt, consumeristic debt, things we live beyond our means. Financial peace comes into your life, and all of a sudden you realize you can get out of debt. It doesn't have to be oppressing you, and you can learn to live with your, uh, with your resources and finances in such a way that it's liberating and empowering the life you dreamed of, so you can have extra money to save. You can have extra money to buy the house you want. You could have money finally to give, and you don't have to go into debt. And when you experience that liberation of being debt-free, you want to have help others experience that. Anyone gone through financial peace and try to get everyone else to go through financial peace? Anyone? Okay, there's a few of us here. Uh, How about Star Wars fans? Rogue One final trailer came out. Anyone? Anyone? Like, do not boo Star Wars. You can leave Jeremiah. Just kidding. But, okay, so people tend to, if you see a good movie, you want to spread it. CrossFit? How do you know somebody does CrossFit? They don't stop talking about CrossFit. Would you agree? Like the the Fight Club, rule number one, don't talk about Fight Club. Rule number one for CrossFit, don't stop talking about CrossFit. Right? Um, and, or, or for me, I think of, think of liberation when you've experienced, it's kind of like donuts. It's kind of like, if you are in a meeting, right, and you're sitting there, let, I'll come over here. Let's just say like, we're gonna have a little board meeting right here. But I walk in, with donuts, you know it's going to be a good meeting, amen, right? Because nobody brings a box of donuts for themselves. It's always to share. And I brought the sprinkles and maple because these are my absolute favorite. So you guys are just part of, you want some donuts over here? Can I just, can we just, this is for, oh, you guys want some, do you guys? Okay, you can have one, just grab one. Don't be stingy. I just want to show you. Just take, take one of those. Take one of those. Yeah, I'm just going to spread. So what happens is, you don't want any? You do. You, these are the best donuts in the world. Um, but when you experience the liberating, oh, I'm sorry. The Zeitschers are here. You can have two, John. Help yourself. You deserve it. You want some over here? So here's the thing about, you want some, Aaron? 
The thing about freedom is it's like this. You just want everyone else to experience. So think of AA for a moment. Anyone, um, you don't have to say, you don't have to say if you went through AA. The whole point is to be anonymous. But AA, do you want some over here? AA is amazing. And if you, I, I just encourage you, if you think you're struggling with alcohol or addiction, I encourage you to go through AA. It's an amazing gift. Anyone want some of this over here? You guys are, yeah, right? Pass it. You know what? Just pass it. You guys can take the box, pass it around. Maple bars and vanilla sprinkles. So AA is amazing, transformative power. You're welcome. It liberates those that are struggling with addiction of all kinds. But the thing is, you start doing the steps, and what you realize, you cry, what, it starts with you crying out because you don't have power over your addiction. And you eventually realize that and you start working the steps. You recognize there's a higher power. Um, but eventually, early on into AA, one of the tools that you, do, you have for your own recovery is to, to start sponsoring other people. And so you could be a few weeks into AA potentially and new people come into AA and you give them your number that they have 24-7 access to so that if they're ever struggling to drink with a, a drink, they can call you any day or night, any time, it doesn't matter. And here's the secret. There's something powerful about this. What they get is that when you give your liberation away, when other people begin to experience liberation through your life, it keeps your liberation alive. Are you with me? So it's kind of like donuts in a meeting. You just want everyone else to experience what you've experienced. And I just missed out on the donuts, but I have some more. Um, so that's point number one. You with me? Uh, something happens when you extend what you've received to others. When, you've extent, ex- when you extend your liberation to others, it keeps your liberation alive because when you've witnessed your own liberation, you can't help but extend that liberation to others. I want you to just think about your whole life in that way, what it means to be witness. Are you with me? Point number two. Everything is connected to everything else. Please write this down. I want to prove this to you in a variety of ways. I want you to see the world through this lens that everything is connected to everything else. There's a lie in modernism that says everything's isolated. Everything is connected. So if you have a Bible, go to Deuteronomy. I want to show you something. Um, I want to show you something in the scriptures. I'm smiling because I'm just thinking about how my son says I want to show you something all the time. He's like, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. It's like, I don't know why. (laughs) Okay, so Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. This is the Shema prayer. It's the central prayer and confession of the Jewish religion, basically. It's the summary of the entire Torah um, for the Jewish community. They would pray this when they woke up. They would pray this when they would go to sleep, when they walked into a house, when they go anywhere. And it's uh, in Hebrew, it's Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. Let's read verse four together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So that's the Shema prayer. And then it continues. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength or muchness, all of your Adam's quarks in cellular structure. Um, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this is a prayer central to the Jewish way of looking at the world and understanding God is that God is one, and the word is ekad 
which is a oneness made up of several different parts and members. We know God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So what you need to know is that this was a way of interacting with the world, seeing God as one, not that God is, is everything, but that God's presence is within creation. Are you with me? And, and so we have um, everything is connected. So, so what they would do is they would practice this faith, this spiritual life, everywhere they went. And so the Jewish community thought everything is spiritual. So everything matters for you to have a spiritual life. For you to live an obedient, faith-filled life was to love God. And look at the way they loved God. The way that they practiced their faith had something to do with going along the road, going into homes, sitting and talking about the things that you hold dear most to God with your children, your parenting matters. You could go on, your finances matter. The way that you have conversations, according to Hebrew's, Hebrew community, mattered. Everything mattered and everything was connected to living in a, a meaningful spiritual life because everything is connected to everything else. Are you with me? So you see it in Deuteronomy. Go to Colossians chapter one. I'm gonna give you a, I just want to, I want you to see this idea that everything's connected um, and I'll make the point even further and how it gets to the tangible. So we can think metaphysically things are connected, but uh, Colossians chapter one, verse 15, <clears throat> it says this, and I love, man, you wanna read the intro to a, a, a letter, read this. Verse 15 of chapter one, Colossians is in the New Testament. Um, it says the son is, it's talking about Jesus. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, listen to this, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Does that give you hope? We just talk, you know, this is crazy election time. And maybe I'm just like old enough to actually know what election's all about, you know? I've only had a few elections under my belt since I was 18, but it just seems ridiculous with what's going. But Jesus um, is above all things. It says, all things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Good news. When it says all things, there's a Greek translation that's helpful for understanding. It literally means all things. So, um, I just, I don't have this, but let's just keep reading 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the, uh, and the firstborn among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, listen to this, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Jesus is not just concerned about souls evaporating and going into Casper-like bodies in heaven, floating around singing to God all day long. It's about all things, heaven and earth, creation being reconciled to God. And when it says all things again, what does it mean? That's good. Okay, so whether things on earth or in heaven, um, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So there's this idea that in Jesus, all things are being reconciled. And uh, why is that important for us? Because everything is connected to everything else. We might think Jesus is just interested in my prayer life. Well, he's in interested in your sex life as well. 
Jesus is just interested in my Bible study. He's actually interested in your workout routines and how you talk about people when you're not around other Christians. He might, he might be just interested in my marriage being holy and sacred. He's interested in every aspect of your marriage, your finances, your, your, the way that you have conversations, the purchases that you have, the way you organize your resources. All things in your life need to be reconciled and are being reconciled through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ. Is that good news? Because some of you have certain areas of your life that are off limits to God. And that's not how this works. In fact, Paul, this is just a side note, Paul uses more than he says that um, Christ is in you, he says that you're in Christ. (laughs) So just think about that for a minute. Okay, okay. It might take you a while, so just think about that for like one second. Let's keep going. Okay, so Leviticus Um, I want you to go to Leviticus. We're still on point number two, which is kind of the main point today. Everything is connected to everything else. Leviticus, it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus is a a really fun book to read. If you're just starting out, I recommend just jumping right in. That was a little sarcasm. Um, It is a great book. And what this book is about, what this letter um, is about, really is about the people of God, Israel, learning how to be human again. Because they were slaves in Egypt, and now they're free people. And would you agree just right now with me that slavery is inhumane? That if you, if you lived as a slave and you were treated less than human, you would start adopting less than human practices and belief systems about yourself, right? Slavery um, is what Jesus does away with because we're all one in him. So let's just think about that. So we get to Leviticus, and Leviticus is this, this amazing book where it's trying to teach the people of God how to be human. It's a new human project, Israel, um, how to interact with. So laws like don't kill each other. All right, that's good. If we're going to be a community and we're learning how to, how to treat each other, don't steal. Yep, all right, that's good too. Like basic fundamental human things. But, but in this, we see the heart of God. And at the heart of God, we see God... Um, empowering a new humanity in some ways. And I just want, remember, everything's connected to everything else. Look at Leviticus chapter 19. And I just want, it says under the title, Various Laws. And there's this random verse, verse nine. I just want to look at this verse. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so this is kind of the idea. Let's pretend that this is some land that we have, okay? This, this rug here. And God gives us this land and he's creating some rules and all of this is ours given to us by God and we're fortunate to have a vineyard or land. Now, I want you to think in the first century uh, or I'm sorry, in the 21st century about everything that you have access to because we don't, a lot of us don't own land. We don't have vineyards, but, but this is the idea. So think of all of your resources and capital, your relationships, your finances, your, your intellect, um, your physical assets. Uh, do you have a car? Do you, do you have a bus pass? Do you have a bike? Think of all of that stuff, okay? And then think about your spiritual resources that you have access to a God who loves you and you can pray for people, all the different things that you have. Um, and then, and then uh, so, so in first century, if you have land, the rule is leave the edges. I'm just gonna walk the edges. So leave the edges 
for those that don't have land, for the foreigner, the poor, the orphan, and the widow. All throughout the Leviticus, it talks about the foreigner, so the immigrant, the refugee, someone who leaves a country for some reason to get out of the country they're in because of the environment they were in, whether it was harsh or not. They didn't have work, they didn't have land, or there's war. Anytime you read foreigner, you're thinking of all the political reasons why someone would leave land, which you never wanted to leave in the first place. Foreigner, orphan, widow, and the poor. Leave the sides for them. Don't glean that side. Leave the gleans, gleanings for them. And then if you have a vineyard, you get one shot. You just walk over it one time. And if you accidentally drop some grapes, leave the grapes. Do not go back for the grapes you dropped. Everything is connected to everything else because if those who have don't share with those who don't have, this new human project will go south. Society will fall apart because grapes left for those that don't have grapes mean something. And you're thinking, Darren, that's crazy. Like really, like all of, we have to leave stuff. We have to, what does it mean to leave edges? I don't know. What does it mean for you to leave some room in your budget when you walk into the store to make sure that those that don't have are going in with you so they're walking out with something? I don't know what it means for you, but in the Old Testament, the law is we're gonna leave some for those that don't have. Is, and, and, and you think, okay, that's just crazy that society will fall apart. Well, yes, it sounds crazy, but there's actually research behind this. I wanna show you a book. I recommend this. It's called The Spirit Level. Why greater equality makes greater uh, society stronger. It's a book called The Spirit Level. Why greater equality makes societies stronger. And Kate Pickett and Richard Wilkinson, excuse me, spent 30 years doing research and looking at the impact of our self-interest consumerism and the the impact it has, has had on our society. Research shows this, after 30 years of research, the greater the income gap between the wealthy and the poor, the greater the inequality, the greater the problems and the number of problems that society or country will face. So the myth of pursuit of happiness has been attached to consumerism. The more there's a distance between those that don't have and those that have, the greater the distance the unhappier and unhealthier and the more problems there are across the board. There are 11 different health and social issues. Here's just a few. Um, There's greater physical health problems, greater mental health problems, greater drug abuse, greater greater educational issues, uh, greater incarceration rates, greater obesity, greater violence, greater teen pregnancy, greater anxiety, um, is there another slide? Nope. And, and uh, the, 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 the life expectancy drops for the, gr- the greater the inequality of a, of a community. So in other words, when God says in Leviticus to leave some grapes for those that don't have enough, I think he knew what he was talking about when he was forming a new society. Would you agree? If you don't believe me, check out that book. I encourage you to read it. It's a lot of evidence. It goes across the board. It talks about us having more anxiety. Um, it talks about uh, the, the type of incarceration as a result of the inequality and the lack of trust that we have with one another, all driven by consumerism. Do you think that's fascinating? Because everything is connected to everything else. Let me show you one way that mod- the modern world oppresses and enslaves the most vulnerable around the world. 
Um, and I need everyone's participation, so look up here for just a moment. And I need you to, to, to stand if this question applies for you, to you, excuse me. Is anyone here wearing something right now? We just stand. Okay, 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 we're all in this together. Okay, look, just look around, make sure you see everyone. Because then you'll see if someone's not wearing something, they're spotted. Okay, so clothes, you can sit down now. Are clothes, you guys are very loud sitters. Our clothes matter. Our clothes, we're all connected to one another just for the, for the simple fact that we buy clothes somewhere. Clothes matter for lots of reasons. And your decision to wear certain clothes, to buy from certain retail stores, have a significant impact not only on, on our environment and the health of our world as a creation, but also on the rights of millions of humans around the world. In 1950, the average woman had nine outfits total. The average woman today has 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. Your decisions to, to wear, uh, or the average American has 19 pairs of shoes. I, I, we're going to do a whole talk on consumerism, but I want to just, just sh share some things. In the last 20 years, consumerism has increased drastically through something called fast fashion. And the fashion industry has simply kept up with the demands of our desire as individuals in the Western context to consume more. The, um, the global, here's some stats. The global garment or apparel market is valued at over $3 trillion. 97% of our garments are made now overseas. And there are over 40 million garment workers in the world today, many of whom do not share the same rights or protections that people in this country or in the West have. They are some of the lowest paid workers in the world today, making less than $3 a day, many of them. And roughly 85% of garment workers are women. The most vulnerable people in our society and culture are being oppressed and enslaved, all because we want cheap clothing. The human factor of the garment industry is way too big to ignore, and we need to recognize that individuals and humans are being exploited and violated and oppressed. The exploitation and violation and oppression is directly connected to our desires and our actions in the United States and Southern California to consume cheap clothing. And many of the clothing we are wearing are empowering this type of oppression. And the clothes we wear, we just said, matter because everything is connected to everything else. I want to show you a preview. We're going to watch this on Thursday. There's a movie called The True Cost. And a few months ago, um, maybe in December, or I don't remember when I watched it, last year sometime, I watched this film and it, I just wept in the end. And I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, but I wept because I recognized that my own life was guilty and I needed to change something. And then I went to India in, in February and March and I came back and I preached a sermon called I Am the Rich Young Ruler. And I promised this church that um, God did something in me and that I would talk about this in the future. And so my wife and I have spent the last, I don't know, six or seven months really evaluating our consumerism, materialism, our clothing, our wardrobe, our home, and we've been pursuing minimalism as a lifestyle and pursuing an alternative way to live in this world in the midst of one of the wealthiest areas in the entire world. And so the answer isn't just to sell everything, it's to redeem it, right? 
So we've been pursuing this, but I wanna show you this preview and I invite you to come this Thursday at seven o'clock at, uh, at the Art Theater on 4th Street. We're gonna host a screening and have a dialogue around this subject. So let's play this and we'll come back and talk. We communicate who we are through clothing. It is fundamentally a part of what we wish to communicate about ourselves. We used to have a system, a fashion system. That has absolutely nothing to do with the fashion industry today. It has been reinvented. It's based on materialism. The problem is that comes at a really high price. Garment factory collapsed, killing more than 1,000. Clashes between clothes factory workers and riot police in Cambodia. Last November, 112 people were killed in another major factory fire. 30,000 Chinese workers and little Garment workers in Bangladesh were paying the price for cheap clothing. Well, the promise of globalization was that it was going to be a win-win, that consumers in the rich world would get cheaper goods and people in the poorer parts of the world would get jobs and that those jobs would give them an opportunity to work their way out of poverty. This enormous, rapacious industry that is generating so much profit, why is it that it is unable to support millions of its workers properly? The actual business model is completely unsustainable. Unless you change that model, you can't change anything. When everything is concentrated on making profits, what you see is that human rights, the environment, workers' rights get lost. My God, we can do better than this. I just want to share a couple of statistics. The fashion industry is the world's second largest polluter in the world. It's right behind the oil industry. One in six people in the world are in the global fashion industry. A majority of these workers are women earning less than $3 a day. The world now consumes a staggering 80 billion pieces of clothing each year. This is up 400% in the last 20 years. The International Labor Organization estimates that there are 170 million, um, are, 170 million are engaged in child labor. They're kids that shouldn't be working. They're too young for the jobs that they have, with many making textiles and garments to satisfy the demands of consumers in Europe and the U.S. Only 10% of the clothing that you donate to charity and thrift stores gets sold. 90% of them end up in landfills flooding our market and, or flood the market in developing countries like Haiti where they are um, boxed, they're bought by the box and they kill the local industry. The previous pretty powerful, huh? 
when I saw it, I was really, I was wrecked. And you'll see it when you watch it on Thursday. Um, this, this, cool, this story of a woman in Bangladesh who leaves her daughter for a year to go and make enough money to send her to school so she doesn't live in the conditions that she's currently forced to live in as a garment worker. The mom is like 21 years old and the daughter's like five. Um, and that's the cycle that it produces. And you, you see her saying goodbye to her daughter going to this horrible work environment where she actually got beat up for trying to unionize the garment workers and this young woman. And she goes off leaving her daughter and then there, the image back and forth is Black Friday. Sorry. Yeah, Black Friday. I, and the image of just the American consumerism running into Walmarts and stores to get the cheap goods that are being made on there. So the, the question is, what is the real cost? What's the true cost for our $5 shirts and $25 jeans. And the question, the challenge I have for our church, and look, I, I recognize there are, probably aren't a lot of churches talking about this, but we're gonna talk about it. Um, and my job isn't to make you an activist, although I believe every consumer is an activist, but my job is to help you see the world differently. Remember, if you've experienced any liberation in Christ, that what's natural is for you to help extend liberation to others. And since everything is connected to everything else, you have a responsibility because now you have the knowledge of this truth. And knowledge is power. And knowledge has the ability to transform government, societies, and the cosmos if you recognize that it's within you. And so I want to invite you, look, and at the end of the day, there are amazing organizations that we're going to highlight on Thursday. There are people in our church who run the organizations that we'll highlight that are are, are uh, empowering communities around the world by having um, an incredible ethic and moral way of buying cotton and clothing and textiles and, and paying a livable wage for people in different parts of the world, 31 Bits, Crochet Kids. We have buyers of, of major famous jeans here, that um, jean companies here. So we recognize that not all of them are the problem and there are amazing brands, but I wanna encourage you to recognize that they're, there is a problem, and it's, we're all connected to it. And oftentimes, what happens is advocating the global, when we advocate for global, global poverty or human trafficking, there are now, four, they estimate 45 million slaves in the world, more than ever before. 14 million just in India. That these situations, these numbers, the current systemic evil of corporate greed and in this industries that are continuing to oppress millions and millions of people, what happens when we talk about them is we become paralyzed and overwhelmed. So we might have an emotional experience and then we just keep living on our way, right? Because what, what do we do after that? Just get on Instagram and Facebook, just keep living our, our lives and don't allow the things that are inside of us to bubble up and actually pr produce fruit, it's like what, what Jesus says about the kingdom. It's like a seed sown, right? Sometimes it lands on good soil, and when it lands, it produces a hundredfold. And that's what I'm hoping, is that this church will be a prophetic voice in the wilderness, learning to challenge culture and systems to provide an alternative way. Other times, we just get, we're immune to the crisis. It doesn't move us at all. Some of us watch this, we don't feel anything. It's not a big deal. We're gonna keep doing what we do. Um, but what I wanna encourage you is to recognize that even if you're struggling to get by, even if you can't afford to buy um, expensive clothes or whatever it is, you have all the excuses. I wanna encourage you to come to True Cost and learn how to re 
orient your lifestyle, how to rethink about the, the things that we're consuming on a regular basis because it will take the efforts of just a few to, to spark this. I'm not trying to start a movement. I'm trying to start a fire. I want to spark a fire in, in people so that they become contagious everywhere they go about the things that matter most. Um, William Wilberforce, who fought slavery his entire life in the 1800s and late 1700s, um, he was a politician and a leader, and he spent his entire life uh, fighting to abolish slavery. And for 19 years in a row, he tried to pass an act to end the slave trade in England, in the British Empire. And it took, in 19 years in a row, it was denied. And then the 20th year, in 1807, the Slave Trade Act was passed. And that became the beginning of an end to slavery. And eventually, through slow, consistent and persistent um, efforts, he brought the end to slavery in England in 1833, four days before he ended up dying. But what was fascinating about William Wilberforce is that before him, few thought that slavery was wrong. But after Wilberforce, every and almost all Western societies and cultures came to the belief that slavery was a moral wrong because of his efforts and the efforts of the early abolition movement, which set precedent for the rest of the world to free slavery. And we still have that task today. And that leads me to my third point. I'll just end with this. This is fundamental to the scriptures. As you sit here thinking, what do I do? How do I respond? How do I engage in this? Knowing that when you witness your liberation, that it naturally extends to others and that everything's connected. Well, there's more power. You have more power than you realize. This is so true in the scriptures. In John It says this, Jesus says to his followers, um, he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Do you believe that Jesus can give us power to be witness in the fashion industry as his church? Or basically shine light into darkness where there are modern slaves. There are six million children that are working in garment industries and textile industries that are forced labor. And we can't just sit here with complacency. I'm passionate about this. The church just can't sit, as Amos would say, on their ivory couches with their fine meals and watch the injustice go. We have to go, we have to speak on their behalf. You have more power. Every purchase you make is voting for new change and new laws in Bangladesh, in Cambodia, in America. Everything you do has power to transform the empire we're living in. Don't tell me you're not gonna help transform culture or it's too big. William Wilberforce transformed a society and culture in his lifetime. We could do it together. You have more power. It says in this, Matthew 20, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So you're thinking, man, I'm weak. I'm overwhelmed. My my time's too stretched. My energy's too stretched. I'm just trying to raise these two kids. I don't have enough resources or even time to research this stuff. I wanna tell you how you think, how you act, how you spend, how you talk, how you don't talk about things, how you vote, how you, how you don't vote, how you spend your time, how you shop, how you buy, how you choose to not shop or choose not to buy, how you organize your resources, how you organize your calendar, how you organize your dress, your dress and your wardrobe, what clothes you wear have power to transfer the liberation you've had and experienced for other people. 
because your actions are matter and this is too big to ignore. So brothers and sisters, I wanna invite you on a journey to transform the world we live in. One purchase, one decision, one attitude, one day, one moment at a time. And through slow progress, I think we could see a change. So I wanna invite you to come to True Witness or True Cost. Come to True Cost, learn this stuff and, and hopefully I spark something in you and journey with us. I hope that we can confront these issues. Are you guys good with that? I was really worried about preaching this sermon. <laughs> I haven't preached like this in a while. I feel like I don't know if I've ever preached in this way where I want to confront the idols in our culture at the same time confronting my own idols. Thank you, Jeremiah. So what can you do? Here's just a couple of points and I'll end with prayer. I want, I want you to start, and you maybe write this down, but this, is, this isn't advice. This is just uh, what my wife and I started doing. I was reflecting on what did we start doing and this has been helpful. We started to question everything. So I want you to question everything. Question everything. You should know where uh, the labels that you wear make their products and where they, re- where they get their cotton from, because they might have great work environments for all of their, their workers, but they're, they're, re- they're outsourcing their cotton from Uzbekistan, which forces their, their people into forced la- slavery, into forced labor for cotton fields. Um, just but question everything. Question why you do what you do, how it is you got to this place. Question every time you buy something. I wanna help us to think about purchasing clothing as like, like an investment, it's like an appliance or a car. Will you wear it 30 times or more? If not, don't buy it. Why play into the system that says this thing is gonna make you happy? It doesn't make you happy. It just makes you want more. It's like Turkish delight. <laughs> Stop buying Turkish delight. Period, said the white witch. No, uh, be intentional, says Aslan. Be, be intentional. Uh, I'm gonna teach a sermon on this is about everything. We need, to, we need to approach discipleship by being intentional. I'll go to the next one. Um, the next one is every consumer can become an activist. You are becoming an activist when you start to live this way. I want to encourage you to be an activist. Recognize that, um, that you, can, you can change the way things are done by pausing, by thinking, by, by consuming what matters and, and getting behind companies that are doing amazing things. Patagonia, Crochet Kids, 31 Bits. These are companies that we should invest our time and energy in. Um, I wanna encourage us to declutter and eliminate. We'll talk about that in the future and practice minimalism. Um, I wanna challenge us to practice minimalism. Just Google it, look it up. We're gonna do a whole seri- or sermon on this because I think in, in a culture of abundance and excess, there are over 300,000 items in the average American home. Average American has three TVs. Average American has two cars and no room to park one car in the garage. The biggest industry is the storage industry. $22 billion industry. It's, they're opening more storage units than McDonald's globally. Do we have a problem? Yes. Can we face it head on together? Yes. Have we witnessed our own liberation? Does it go to other people? Is everything connected to everything else? Do you have more power within you than you realize? Yes. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.
Fire. 